This episode is brought to you by Get Mobile ID by Get Group North America, the smart choice for ID implementations. Put citizens in control with Get Mobile ID, fully ISO compliant 18013-5, and surpasses AMVA guidelines. Learn more at getgroupna.com. Welcome to AMVACast, bringing news, information, and expertise to the AMVA community. Here's your host, Ian Grossman. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to AMVACast. This episode is a bit different from our normal format. We're celebrating DMV Appreciation Month, created by Donate Life America, to thank DMVs and recognize them for their commitment to the Donate Life mission. We'll be featuring organ donation success stories and talk with two of our DLA award winners. So thank you for all you do to support the Donate Life mission and enjoy this special episode. Um, my name is Oni Kanine. I'm 18 years old and I'm from Wilmington, Delaware. So when I was a baby, my parents and I came on vacation to Delaware from Nigeria in October of 2004. And a little while later, I got sick. I had bad stomach pain. I was always crying, kind of yellowish, spotty skin, bloated stomach. So they rushed me to AI DuPont Hospital for Kids in Wilmington, and they diagnosed me with biliary atresia. And then in 2005, in March, I got my liver transplant done by Dr. Don at AI DuPont Hospital. I was 10 months old when I had my transplant. Growing up, I would say I didn't have to do anything differently. I just had to always remember to take my medicine at night. And if anyone is coughing or sneezing or staying sick, just keeping a a distance, more of a distance than other people. But besides that, I would say I didn't have anything to be really cautious of. So at school when I got there at Archmere, there was a club called Ox Give Life, which was created by Gabby Penna after her her and her brother got in a car accident, but her brother ended up passing away and donating organs. So I had met her the summer before going into Archmere my freshman year, so I took that over with three of my friends, and we did some fundraisers, school dress-down days, um, tailgates, tag days, and we had an assembly about spreading the awareness about organ donation and how you can sign up to be an organ donor at the DMV and raise money for the donor dash and the gift of life, just hoping that everyone will honor and cherish organ donation like I and so many others do. During my years of track, I've earned a few medals, a few uh, school records, a few awards, coaches awards, MVP awards, made it to state championships a couple times, had my relay team placed in the top five. So I would say my track career has been, been great during high school. As of the last time that I've been notified, my poster is still at the DMV, so when my friends got their license, they saw my poster and they'll take a picture and show it to me. And when some of the underclassmen or even the teachers see my picture there to renew or get a permit or something, they're always like, oh, my God, Oni, your poster's at the DMV, and they take a picture of it and they send it to me. So on September 1st, I move into college. I'm going to be a freshman at Loyola, Maryland, in Baltimore. I'm going to be majoring in biochemistry on the pre-med track along with running on their track team throughout the year. So I'm very excited for that, and I can't wait to see how that goes. I would say that organ donation is a great thing, and it's um, very important. One person can save up to eight lives, and that um, being an organ donor and donating your organs or tissues helps give someone another chance at life. Welcome back to the Empicast, everyone. This week, we are going to talk to 
two of the members from our community who have been honored and recognized by one of AMVA's key partners, Donate Life. Uh, more specifically, this year's Donate Life America 2020-22 international winners for their Innovation Award and their Lifesaver Award. So I'm pleased to welcome their Lifesaver winner, Matt Cole, who is the Commissioner of the Kentucky Department of Vehicle Regulation, and Kayla Burkett from the Iowa Department of Transportation, who is their Innovation winner. Matt, Kayla, welcome and congratulations. Thanks for having us, Egan. Yes, thank you. So, uh, Matt, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with you as the, the, the Lifesaver winner, if you, if you will. Um, what was it like when you learned that you won, won this award? I, I was completely blown away, and it really added to a funny story. Uh, I was on my weekly call with leadership there in the secretary's office, and normally that's just uh, you know chief of staff, deputy secretary, and, and uh, also Sarah Jackson, who's one of our Real ID specialists. And suddenly members of Trust for Life Kentucky start showing up in the call. And I just think these are my worlds that are just mashing together because <laughs> they're not supposed to be there. And they were there to surprise me with the announcement that I, I would be getting the, the Region 2 award and the National Award. And I, I was I was blown away. The, the rest of the day, I was, I was walking on clouds. So that was oh, a nice. completely unexpected. Kayla, did you have a similar uh, exciting way to get recognized or was yours a little more traditional? Ours is probably a little more traditional, um, <laughs> but it was still exciting in the, in the same breath and, and our team is very happy. Yeah. So let, let's talk about the work that each of you did to receive the, the recognition. Uh, Matt, yours was really tied to some legislative initiative that you went after to change the way you approach potential donors in Kentucky. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we've been under a great amount of challenge just recently here. Uh, we've been playing catch up with, with Real ID. We were getting caught up on modernization. Uh, you know, we were making big legislative moves on getting, uh, you know, the Real ID system in place. Uh, the circuit clerks were, were doing it. You know, there are three-headed monster with us. They're, they're, they were the issuers. Kentucky State Police were the, uh, the driver testers, and we were the, the record keepers. Mm -hmm. once, once we started to roll that system out, we knew that that, that, that change had to be made, that it was going to be too much. It was going to overload their offices. So collectively, we all agreed it needed to come to, to transportation. So while doing that, and they had the hood up, I'm, I'm like, hey, I've got an idea. We need to, to kind of put this in there. And it was the worst possible timing, but it was the right thing to do. So mm -hmm. that, that, that just made it easy. So what was the change that you actually made in terms of the way you approach donors? Uh, with uh, dealing with who the, the customers and how we interact with them. That's right. You know, because yeah. my understanding is it's in the in changing the way that you ask the, the donor question and mm -hmm. where you were making it available to them was kind of the big the big shift. It is. And, and, you know, this is where we were building on the legacy of the circuit clerks. The circuit clerks created this trust back in 1992 and had created this from the ground up. Uh, so what they had done had been spectacular. But we all know that people are, are sometimes the, the weakest link in a transfer because people have bad days. People mm -hmm. uh, don't feel well. People have their lives that may have all kinds of trouble. And sometimes just holding things together is, is, uh, is the, the course for the day. Mm -hmm. So with us, we were so glad to see that we could make it an electronic interaction. So now we know that 100% of the time those questions get asked. Do you want to donate to the trust? Do you want to join the, the donor registry list? Uh, and 
partnering with Trust for Life, having the posters in there, all of the, the things that they give us, the matching t-shirts, it just, uh, it, it made it great because we suddenly saw a huge increase just where technology will be consistent 100% of the time where we know with people, we're, we're fallible, we make mistakes, right. we, we can cut corners when things get busy. So that, that technology of just ha- making sure that's there on every interaction has had just the biggest impact. When you say every interaction, is it particular transactions that are coded to offer the question? Every single credential. So whether they're getting a permit, driver's license, ID card, uh, it doesn't matter the transaction. Now, of course, there, there's two questions to be asked. Would you like to donate to the trust? And if mm-hmm. so, what amount? And then there's also, would you like to join the registry to be a, an organ donor itself? Uh, we have smart technology built in that if they're already an organ donor, then we don't ask the second ask question. Right. Exactly. Because we, we don't want to make them feel uh, Don't unsure. you know? I already yeah. said yes. What I, are you asking exact, me for? Exactly. <laughs> and, and then we know time is money and issuance, so we yeah. don't want to waste. It's the same thing with motor voter. You know, if we right. already have them registered, we don't ask the question. But if that, that place is blank, then, then we hit it every single time. Right. And what about on the vehicle transactions? Are they there as well? Or is it strictly the ones you, I think, rattled off there were all uh, identity driving credential? Is there anything mm-hmm. on the vehicle transaction? And that's where we just passed it in uh, Senate Bill 30. That's where we were able to now mm-hmm. kind of partner with our county clerks. Our county clerks are responsible for all of the vehicle registration. So the the legislation now put in there that they may ask the question if if those offices want to. But we do 30,000 online uh, vehicle registrations a month. And that question's asked again 100% of the time on all of those transactions. So it's a brand new thing, but it it was the right thing to do. We we could tell by the vote. It was either unanimous or near unanimous. It, it, on the on the floor so when you have that many people back in it you, you know that you're you're back in the right horse there sure sure and i think that's a little bit unusual because i think a lot of times in our community we tie the the donor question to the driver licensing identity credentialing process i've not heard it i'm not saying it's not done elsewhere people are probably listening going ian what are you talking about we do it all the time in xyz jurisdiction <laughs> yeah. um but we don't always talk about it as often uh with the vehicle transactions as much as we do with the identity and driving credential transactions so i think that is a little bit more of a unique shift it was uh when becky and shelly and i first talked about it uh we mentioned you know we, we have 3.1 million customers on the driver's license side but you only see them once every four years with our new system changes that they have the option of four years or eight years so we knew that was less touches so when you turn and look at, at vehicle registration you've got four million four point four million vehicles that are registered every year think of all the additional touch points that we can have mm-hmm. now that just that just grows that yeah so you mentioned the counties can start doing it if they want to what's been the reaction interest uptake there uh, I think it's been a very good adoption rate so far. So, you know, we're, we're probably over 25%. And, and I think it's growing pretty steadily. So uh, I think the biggest thing is it just takes time to get in there and let them understand what the mission is. Of course. You know, uh, I, I was blind to it. I remember the first interaction when I went to the Trust for Life as a member of the, the transportation cabinet. I had no idea what they did. I'd never had a conversation with somebody about it, but that first meeting, it just planted the seed. And, and once you understand what they're doing every day on the front line, it, it just, you start to chew on it. You're like, well, how can I help? What can I do? Mm-hmm. And now, now that's, 
that's kind of put into almost every business plan we have when we're changing something. Is this a different touch point? Is this another way that we can spread that mission and spread the word for it? Because we know how vital it is. We, we have, you know, 20 people that die every day waiting mm -hmm. for an organ. Mm -hmm. We, you know, um, there's a hundred or a thousand adults just waiting for a transplant. So we know that, that it's so important to get it out and, and tell as many people as possible. Yeah, that's great. So uh, Kayla, let us, let's learn a little bit about why uh, Donate Life is, is recognizing you and the work you're, you're doing in Iowa. Uh, it's really an interesting project that I think, you know, is best kicked off by talking about tribute plaques. Uh, so our tribute plaques honor the memory of either a donor or a recipient or a living donor. These tribute plaques are placed within our DMV locations and they really encourage others to say yes to organ donation. Mm -hmm. And it really got started back in 2019. Our team partnered with the Iowa Donor Network on a, a separate donor awareness project where we had a family um, donate t-shirts for our team to help mm -hmm. increase donor awareness throughout DMVs. And during that time, we were renovating one of our locations um, where this family lived. So the idea came up to install a plaque within that new location to really honor their son, who was an organ donor. Mm -hmm. um, our team presented that idea to Iowa Donor Network. And of course, they said yes. And our two organizations collaborated with that family to really design the plaque. And our first plaque was installed in February of 2020. And we just continued to be inspired by that and install more plaques throughout the state of Iowa. Now, you mentioned that the, the plaques honor one of those three categories, a, a donor, a living donor, a recipient. How, you know, how do you decide, you know, I, I don't want to use the phrase plaque worthy, but, you know, you, certainly there's some sort of process. You must decide, you know, what's the right story to tell on these plaques. Yeah, absolutely. And we work closely with the Iowa Donor Network on this piece. They really help us identify which families in the areas or communities uh, that we're looking to install the tribute. So they actually work directly with those families. They get their permission. They get their stories. They help us gather photos. And we really rely on our partners to help us decide um, who to feature within each location. So you said something that was interesting there that I don't think I picked up on the first time around is, is that you're trying to make sure that you are featuring someone that is local and touches that, that community, that it's not a, somebody that's necessarily statewide or for somewhere else, but really has that local connection to that particular service center. Yes, we, we've found that these stories really are personable and members of the community, including sometimes our staff, know the individuals being honored. So it's it's really a, a hometown story and, and we feel like those individuals really help make that positive impact and encourage others to say yes while at our location. And have you seen that? Have you seen the numbers go up? Have you seen the feedback of, you know, it made me more, more interested in doing this? Yes, absolutely. So in addition to these being just amazing, memorable tributes, to mm -hmm. honor some heroes, we are seeing a slight increase in organ donation adoption rates within the locations where the tributes are placed. So absolutely, we have two more tributes planned for the remaining of this year. And then we plan to finish all of our DOT locations 
um, probably in the year of 2024. And then we're currently looking into some other opportunities, like maybe it's within our county locations, which we mm -hmm. do have one local county location today, or maybe there are other um, DOT facilities that we can install these mm -hmm. tributes. But yes, um, we have 1.6 million Iowans who are registered as organ, eye, and tissue donors. And 97% of those are registered while at the DMV. Mm, of course. And it's an interesting exercise in metrics and analytics because unlike a lot of other uh, campaigns that are often deployed statewide, you've only deployed it in specific locations to start. So to be able to track how those locations change versus the service centers that doesn't yet have a tribute plaque is a really you know, uh, interesting exercise to be able to say how the presence of that tribute plaque in that location changed the rate in that location versus the locations that didn't yet have the tribute plaque. Absolutely, yep. The data is really telling a story and it makes it easier for us to uh, present this case and continue with these efforts. Yeah, so you're, you're planning to deploy to all the other locations um, do you plan to rotate, you know, the plaque or is it the, you know, somebody's up there and featured for an X amount of time and then there's another story? Yeah, we haven't really, we haven't discussed that, but that's a great um, option, Anne, and I, I might add that to our suggestion list. But once we complete the DOT locations, like I mentioned, um, we have one county location, but we have 81 other county locations that issue driver's license mm -hmm. or IDs. So those are some possibilities as well as some other DOT facilities, because we have had other employees, so not just within the motor vehicle division, but other DOT employees reach out and say, hey, I have a loved one, I have a family member that I would mm -hmm. love to honor. Is it possible to maybe get a tribute installed you know, somewhere else? So yeah. we're, we're exploring all of those opportunities. Yeah. So let me ask both of you, both of you are in roles in your state that of course, all the roles within the, you know, the motor vehicle community has a touch point with Donate Life America, but there's nothing in your individual job description that says, hey, get excited about doing Donate Life, get excited about growing registrations or doing more outreach. So I'm curious on an individual level, what, what was it about working on these projects and the, the mission of Donate Life that sparked you know, sparked it within you to want to take more more direct action. And uh, Matt, uh, we'll give Kayla a little break from talking. Let you tackle it first. Sounds good. Uh, you know, it, it really started in, in that first meeting with Trust for Life when when they first let us know what they're doing. Then you know, we knew that's something that that we wanted to be part of it. You know, so I have to give full credit to Shelly and Becky. Uh, they're constantly fueling our passion with creative ways to energize the team. They're bringing up new challenges. Uh, fun t-shirts to wear, colorful office decorations, and, and always, you know, the, the stories of people that get a second chance at life because someone was wise enough to know that their organs can do so much more here than it can taking them with them. So uh, they're, they're our battery. They're our energy source. They, they feed us with that. And, you know, we, we've got miles to go, but, you know, they keep us, like I say, energized, strong, and ready to look to the next, uh, next challenge, the next wave. Ayla, what's your, your personal connection here? Yeah, I would say really that first tribute that we did back in 2020 really made an impact on me individually. They were able to share the number of folks that benefited from that particular person saying yes to organ donation. So it really made it easy to help raise this awareness. You know, 
organ donation and these tributes really do honor heroes and it truly recognizes the life-saving generosity of organ donation and, and that's just made a huge impact on me. So we, we've talked about both of your projects very much in the, the, the glow of how successful it was and the impact it had, but we often know the realities that even the best projects don't always go so smoothly and some bumps in the road. So, you know, what did you have challenges along the way? I mean, Matt, you started with, you know, hey, it was a unanimous vote. So who doesn't who doesn't love saving lives? We'd all like it to be that simple, but we know sometimes even the, you know, the purest projects have their challenges. So what were there any that you had in this in this road? Uh, yeah, for us, it, it was on the technical side. Uh, that, that was the biggest challenge for us is we've been playing catch up for quite some time. We were behind on Real ID. We were behind on modernization. Uh, we were behind on the services that we offered to our citizens. And, you know, uh, the development team had their plate was full. Steve Coffey in our Office of Information Technology uh, group, he, he let us know how busy they were, what was going on, the, the million things they were tackling. I said, but, you know, I needed a customer facing solution that would allow them not only to donate to the trust, but to sign up for the donor registry, which with a mainframe system is a, a terribly exhausting, long process that's not easy to do. And it was terrible timing uh, for their plate to be so full uh, and me to do that. Then, you know, I, I'm sure I wasn't uh, a popular person. I may have got a few grumbles, but, you know, once they understood what we were looking to do, they were quickly on board. Uh, you know, Steve's been here from the beginning. He was here in the early 90s when we made the first online drive or the first, uh, you know, database uh, when we were still doing pouches in the early 2000s when we did the, the digitally printed credentials. So, you know, he was helping us with real ID. So, so why wouldn't he help us with Trust for Life as well and the organ donation program? And, uh, you know, they loved it. They say it's one of the most rewarding things they've done because they see the impact that it makes. So mm -hmm. that, that was by far our biggest challenge. Kayla, any bumps in the road for you with the, the Tribute Plaque Project? You know, honestly, I give a lot of credit to our Iowa donor network partners because their passion and desire to collaborate with us is really incredible. And they make this a really easy process. Um, I would say, you know, probably the, the hardest thing is just finding enough locations to honor the deserving individuals. But mm -hmm. other than that, you know, we really work together with our, with our partners as a team to, to make this all come together and, and they help make it easy on me. So I appreciate yeah. that. Is there, you know, Kayla, on that, you know, it's a very uh, physical, visual initiative that you've done. Is there any, for those of us who aren't in Iowa, uh, are there any ways for us to see the tributes? Have you considered putting them online or creating a website of them all consolidated? Or am I just adding more work to your plate that you don't have time for? Yeah, so we, <laughs> during each tribute, we do actually invite the local media. So we do um, different media stories. They've printed news articles. Um, we do share it on Facebook and social media. I'm not sure if they're posted out on our website or not, but I think that that's an amazing idea. I know we share them internally so that all of our internal staff can see them because obviously they're spread out throughout the state. Um, but yeah, I think that that's a great idea. If they're not out there now, I don't think they are. They, they sure mm -hmm. can't be. Yeah, interesting. Well, I mean, along those lines, do either of you have new ideas and new plans, other Donate Life related initiatives that might be in the works uh, in the, on the horizon? 
for us in Kentucky, we're, we're always, we always have it in the back of our mind. How do we plug it into another thing? Uh, right now we're, we're having meetings with other government agencies that we work with to partner with them to see if maybe uh, fish and wildlife, when you get a, a fishing license or a hunting license can ask the question, uh, can we add it to the Department of Revenue where uh, people fill out tax uh, you know, their tax paperwork, maybe they'd like to donate some of their refund to the cause. So, you know, we're, we're, we're starting internally. And once we feel like we have that properly saturated, then we'd love to look to see if we couldn't get corporate partners as well. So uh, I know the trust would love to be on, on big programs like a, an Amazon or something, anywhere where you get more touches, you get more people interested and, and the more opportunity to learn more and join. Um, we're all for it, but you know, we're starting at home right now, but we'll, we'll continue continue to expand it until we can go as far as we can go. Yes. Kayla, anything else in the works for you? Yeah, so one thing that we started, we actually insert, started this in the last two tributes, but we do want to continue it because we've noticed the impact that it's having is um, most of our locations are ran by appointment. So that allows us a little more flexibility when scheduling these tributes. So we're able to invite the family, the media, and then we're also able to invite our staff of that particular location to be a part of that tribute. And adding that piece in is really telling a story. Like we've had staff members break down in tears just because they can see and hear the, the stories from those families. So I think incorporating that piece has really helped and we continue, we plan to continue that throughout the rest of this year and of course the next few years. And then, um, like I mentioned earlier, it's just exploring those opportunities that we have to expand into other locations. Excellent. Well, I really appreciate you both spending some time to tell your stories and learn about what, what you did to see this recognition. Um, the life-saving work of getting folks signed up to be an organ donors is uh, critical to um, everything that both of you've talked about, both to you know benefit those that are that are waiting for those donations, and um, knowing that someone's story, even if uh, it wasn't what they had planned for, still goes on as they help others uh, continue to continue to live. So, congratulations to to both of you. It sounds uh, well earned, and it sounds like you stand on the shoulders of a lot of big set of teams you both you both kept uh giving a lot of kudos to all the folks that you know you needed to leverage and stand on to, to make this happen that's it you know it, it's such a great mission and, and to have so many people behind it uh just makes it that much easier to get the word out thank you ian and also congratulations to matt on his award yes and you as well yeah, maybe we'll get you guys in the same room together. The big award winners get, get a good picture, hopefully. Well, Matt, Kayla, thanks for the time today. Uh, thank you all for listening this week. Thanks to our producers, Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin. Till next week, everyone, stay well. I'm Sierra Albin, and I am the donor mom of Sienna Dixon Newman. My daughter became a donor after an asthma attack in 2015. In 2016, I started a foundation in her honor, the Sienna 7 Foundation. I'm also a member of the Allergy and Asthma Network for Mothers of Asthmatics, and we provide education, advocacy, and outreach to eliminate death and suffering from allergies and related conditions. When my daughter passed, I was at a loss at how to pick myself up. She was such an amazing little girl. She constantly astonished me. At only seven years old, she told me that when she passed, she wanted to become an organ donor. I know you're probably wondering, how does she know what an organ donor was at seven? A year prior to her death, she was playing in my purse and came across my license. She asked me what a heart on my license meant. 
I explained the best that I could to a then six-year-old child without scaring her to death. She said, I want to be an organ donor too, Mama. I don't need those when I'm gone. I couldn't believe how selfless and aware she was at such a young age, but I'm so thankful that she was. By donating tissue, corneas, and heart valves, I lost my daughter, but I gained a new family. The donor community lifted me up and embraced me. While I haven't met the people who my daughter gave a second life to, I'm able to see the impact every day that my daughter has had on others. While losing someone is never easy, I will always be grateful for the friends that have become family. Thank you for joining us for AmbaCast, hosted by Ian Grossman, produced by Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin, music by Gibson Arthur. This episode is brought to you by Get Mobile ID by Get Group North America. Visit us at amvacast.podbean.com and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify.